Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 6, 2022. Coming at you live from Floored Media in Rockville Center. Yes, we are back. Great to be back. Big show coming up for you tonight. Christian Arnold's not here. Chris Botta is not here. But filling in is Mr. Stefan Rosner. Stefan, thanks for joining us. Chris Botta is actually going to be calling in, so a little reversal of the roles here. But uh, welcome, welcome aboard, man. Happy to be here. Happy Christian is not here. Christian, if you're watching. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, one day he'll be back, we, we think. We're, we're working on that, but he's doing, a, he's doing a good job for AM Sports New York over there, so we'll, we'll get him back in, but happy to have Stefan aboard, and also happy to remind you all that we are proud to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, and of course, the new location at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont, also proud to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A. Second Street in Mineola was actually there this weekend on Saturday. A little Bino tournament. You ever hear of Bino? Yeah, like this. I don't know what that is. So it's it's basically like finger flicking soccer. You get this okay. little soccer board, and it's it's really addicting. So they had this whole tournament there. Bunch of people there had a, had a great time. I actually went over there with Donnie Bagels himself from from Blue Line okay. Deli and Bagels. We they did it World Cup style, so they like. Broke the teams out into like four group, uh, four teams each. It was about five groups, and we all had like our different teams. We were Poland. <laughs> we were matched up with Japan, Brazil. We won our group. We got into the playoffs, but then uh, we got bounced out in the first round of the playoffs. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, we, we gave it a shot, but a lot of fun things going on at Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Um, it's, it's, it's an awesome spot, and they're, they're always updating the, the brews and the taps and stuff like that. So if you haven't been there yet, definitely check it out. A lot of fun stuff. They have a new location open up in Malvern soon. They're doing great stuff over there. And, of course, don't forget about that stable shaker celebrating the brand-new home in Belmont. So, with the sponsorship stuff out of the way, Stefan, Midwest road trip. 2-1. First road trip of the season. They go 2-1. Chicago, St. Louis, Detroit starts out great. Well, actually, does it start out great? Because they've had some slow first periods here. Obviously, they got the result, but you, you, had, you made a mention of it on NYI Hockey Now. So, why don't you talk a little bit about the fact that they're off to some slow starts here. Yeah, so they're definitely benefiting from strong play from goaltenders, Sorokin and Varlamov as well. And you look at it and... They're not coming out of the gate fast. And that's one thing against slower teams, but they're facing fast teams. I mean, you saw Detroit yesterday. That's mm. a fast, young team that came out flying, yeah. and the Islanders didn't really have an answer. They escaped that first period, right. not trailing, but once Detroit got the first goal on the 5-on-3, that was pretty much it. The Islanders didn't generate much. I think they had 23 shots on goal, but they had 23 shots attempts blocked or missed. So, again, it was not a good game for them. Lambert was not happy with their speed. He even said after the game, like, it's unacceptable how slow they were. Essentially right. is what he said. And, and look at it as, well, does this team have enough to be fast? We've seen it this year. They can play a fast game. Yeah. Just a little too slow getting to that game. But again, they have a good record because of the play of the goaltender, especially Sorokin early in games. Right. And look, the sample size is still small, but it's getting bigger. And we're getting a better idea of what this team is bringing to the table. And, and you look back to, to where that winning streak started off and, and playing against tough teams in Carolina, New York, and of course, Colorado. And they hung with those teams. It wasn't like they played survival with those guys and they were lucky to get the wins. They were, they were dictating play in moments of those games. Obviously, they weren't all perfect. But I think it's very encouraging that they're hanging with these teams that have speed. Even, even though they struggle with teams like New Jersey and now Detroit, 
it looks like overall they're going to be all right. Now, look, you're not going to have a perfect game every night. You're not going to have a perfect out. There's there's 82 games in the season. You're not going to win them all as much as we all want them to, right? But they're, we're starting to see more of what this team can bring under Lane Lambert. They go on this three-game road trip. They come out 2-1. and one. I think everybody's happy with that. Now, look, is that three games they could have won? Yeah, sure. You look at how much Chicago has been struggling over the last couple of seasons. St. Louis has had an awful start to the year. Well, they, they were on a five-game losing streak, I think, heading into that game. They had a closed-door meeting, and the general manager called out their, you know, how much their, their effort. He called out their effort. They had a closed-door meeting. You knew they were going to come out of the gates flying, but then right. once, yeah, again, the Islanders are getting to their game. So the good thing is that they're winning these games. Last year, all these games they trail early, they probably lose. So good teams find a way to win. These games, and that's that's the biggest difference I think from last year is that they're not playing 100 to their best of their ability early, but they're still coming back. Even against Colorado, they go down three right. nothing last year. That game is over. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you there. And and look, maybe the fact that they have this this great goaltending tandem, and especially with the way Sorokin's been playing, like if this is what they need to to find their footing in this Lane Lambert system, like. That's great. That's fine. Sorokin can bail them out, and maybe until they kind of find their stride, and maybe they hit midseason, and they're not so slow out of the gate in the first period. So maybe it's 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 a great benefit to have a guy like Sorokin who can make that big save or two in the first period. While the, and and look, this isn't this isn't the way you want to see every game going. But if it if that's what it takes to get them to more of a midseason form, then then look, you, you use that benefit to your advantage. So they did against Chicago, so we can talk a little bit more about that game. That's a 3-1 to one win. You get goals from Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Zach Parisi with an empty net goal. And, you know, they, they again, they started out a little bit slow. Casey Sezikis takes that five-minute major, and he gets the, the match penalty, what, two, three minutes into the game? Yeah, it was his first shift. He was <laughs> right. So they're down. They're down a center early. That Matt Martin missed that game because his wife gave birth. Sydney. Right. So that's they right. had Johnson on that line. Mm-hmm. So within first couple of minutes, there, your fourth line, your only regular is Clutterbuck. Yeah. Right. The the forwards, the centermen are double shifting. I spoke to Clutterbuck afterwards, and he he said they they played great. I mean, you look at Pajot. He's also on the penalty kill. Right. Power play. Parise. I mean, all these guys that were just shifts and shifts. And Lambert. The good thing about Lambert, which what we've seen him do, is late in games. He is mixing up his lines. He's putting out the mm-hmm. best players that he thinks could lock it down. We saw the other day Clutterbuck skating with Barzal. Um, against St. Louis, actually, Wallstrom was out there in the final couple of minutes, and he said there afterwards he earned that chance. So okay. you're seeing Lambert in big moments when he wants to lock it down, putting out the players he thinks give him the best chance. He's not specifically running lines. So now that you mention that, and through these, what, 11, 12 games, whatever it's been now, I mean, do you see Lambert looking comfortable in that top seat now behind the bench as the head coach? I think so, and I think because he's getting results. I think early on, I know when we left the Tampa game, uh, he walked out of the media availability and he was not happy. Okay. And I think, I mean, you're a new head coach. You want to have success. And when you don't, you're under the microscope. Again, I don't think he paid attention to the media at all, but it's got to be frustrating. And you want to, you want your team playing a certain way and they're not. And the fact that they're now playing to more of the level that he wants, especially effort level, which again, back to that Jersey game was inexcusable. And right. he even said, and the players all said it was pathetic, but since that Florida series, even though they lost to Tampa and Florida, they played much better. Absolutely. Not saying they deserve to win. Maybe they want maybe they want to beat Tampa. I think they outplayed Tampa, just sure. a couple of bad breaks. Sure. But the effort level is there. The offense is here. The defense, I mean, you look at the offense, I think is averaging like 3.3 goals per game right now. Top 10, maybe top 5, I think maybe 7 actually. Yeah, before they were shut out. Yeah. I mean, it had to be like 3.7 or yeah. something like and that. The, but yeah. then the defense was struggling. But now the defense is a top five defense again. Right. And then you're getting great goaltending. Again, that's a luxury. You look at the Rangers last year. Shesterkin was unreal. They relied on him, got to the playoffs, and then you just need more. You can't rely on your goalie every second to win. And I think you're looking at this year, like Shesterkin's not a god anymore. But early in the scene, like you said, getting this system right, having Sorokin and even Varlamov back there, 
to say, okay, when they make a mistake or if somebody pinches, like Romanov often early on, he jump up on the play when Dobson was already up. They get caught. And he's looking more comfortable too. Of course. Yeah. But Sorokin's there to make that big save. You right. trust him to make that big save. And I think that also plays into why, you know, I asked Lambert, what made you think that this team could play more aggressive? Mm-hmm. He's been behind the bench since 2018 as an assistant. And he said he knew this group, he knew they could do it. And I think that he knew that he could try this early mm-hmm. is because he trusts Sorokin and he trusts Varlamov too that right. if we make the mistake, because right. if you don't have a competent goalie in that and you don't trust him, it's, you're not, the wheels are going to fall off. But you're not going to even try it, I right. don't think. Because yeah. If you do that, you're not trusting your goaltending. We see other teams around the league where if they play an aggressive system, right away during the season, you're going to see that's not going to work and you got to change everything. So I think I think Sorokin's play, and even Varamaz, but more so Sorokin's because he's going to be the starter. Lambert trusted that, okay, we could try this out early because we know that we have one of the best goalies in the league behind us. When we do make mistakes, more often than not, he's going to bail us out. And so far, he has. Yeah, no, it's definitely paid dividends, so I think that's a pretty good strategy. And real quick, before we break for Chris Botta, let's just talk about that Zeker penalty. Yeah. I mean, like you said, first shift, he gets the he gets the five in a match, which I thought was a little much. And at least what came out of it afterwards, he gets the fine, no further suspension, which I think was the right call. But, look, we've been watching this guy for a long time. He's not the type of player that's going to run a goalie intentionally. So maybe it was just, what, a situation where it was just a quick play, couldn't get out of the way. And Stalak was also pretty yeah. far out of his crease there. So, I mean, what, what was your assessment of the call and, and what happened there? So I look, try to look at it two ways. I'm a goalie, so I try to take it from, uh-huh. from that point of view. So I, I'm watching the play initially. Zekas takes it to the outside on the backhand. He's trying to follow up that rebound. That's what he's supposed to do. He's looking at the puck. Stalak didn't help himself with the way he slid. He actually slid against the shot. So the shot went one way. He slid to the left. The shot went to the right, which means he didn't track it. Mm-hmm. Zekas didn't have anywhere to go. You have to try to get out of the way, which is what I think the refs looked at. That right, Okay, right. he didn't try. It was a hit to the head. Right. Stilak also was hurt. I know that shouldn't play a part, but it did. Right. Zekas it always to, does. Yeah, it, they always make their calls based on how messed up I mean, the dude late, is later in, later in the first period when uh, Athanasio runs Sorokin. Right, right. If Sorokin stays down and is hurt, mm-hmm. Athanasio is getting the boot. I personally believe that's what would happen because mm. that was more deliberate, intentional falling on top of him. But Sorokin popped back up, right? Which is why I think you just saw a two-minute penalty there. But then you look at it as, from the goalie's point of view, he also has to have the ability to make the save. He didn't read it correctly, but I think Stalock, looking back, he he didn't read that right, which put himself in a vulnerable spot. And mm. talking to Sezikis the next day, I asked him like, "What did you see?" And he goes, "Listen, I." I was cutting to the outside. Yeah. I was trying to get the shot. I looked up. He was there. Nowhere for me to go. I'm not someone that's going to intentionally do it. I thought he would get suspended just because he's a second offense. Mm. Last year, he was suspended against um, after he hit Brendan Smith from behind Okay, on um, the Hurricanes. Right. He got one game for that. So mm. I thought they would just look at it and say, all right, we know this wasn't intentional. Because watching the replay, you know it's not intentional. Yeah, yeah. But he's a second offender. We have to suspend him. Usually when you get a match penalty. But I think also, not that this plays a part, it was so early in the game Technically, his one-game suspension was that game. He didn't play the yeah, rest no, of the game. Yeah, no, that's actually a good call. That's I true. don't know if that's what they... 18 minutes of a game. Yeah, I don't know if that's how they look at it, but yeah. I think that played a part. And again, you look at, was it deliberate? Mm-hmm. Unfortunate hit to the head, but again, you have to look at the situation. Stalock's in the wrong spot. Zeke is not a guy that's ever done this before running goalies. He's a hugger. He hugs every goalie after every game. <laughs> yes, so, yes. And he waited afterwards to make sure he was okay. Yeah, if he yeah, wasn't, you know. So I think that Islanders are very fortunate. That didn't get in a game, but Zeke is not a guy that's going to do that intentional. I agree with you, and we're going to pick that up. Folks, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York here live at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY, and of course, later on at your favorite podcast provider. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Mr. Chris Botta, new host of Hockey Night in New York, will be joining us. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal, and now you can get it at the game. 
Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A E 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching and or listening to Hockey Night in New York. Want to welcome our pal, our friend on the line right now, Mr. Christopher Botta. Chris, thanks for hopping on the other side. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? Doing great. Sitting here with Stefan Rosner, taking your place. A little reversal of roles here. But, but Chris, the Isles went on a little Midwestern swing here, a little 2-1 road trip. Faulted a little bit yesterday against a, a speedy young Detroit Red Wings. What did you see out of this road trip for the Isles? Um... I don't think we learned too much. Um, I think they kind of, I think if you look at the three games as a, as a, in total, I would say they kind of held serve, right? We thought there was a possibility they could run the table. We've learned a little more. You know, I thought they were good. They, they did what they had to do. They beat a Chicago team that they should beat, especially Chicago had a couple guys out of the lineup. Um, and then they beat a St. Louis team that is everybody's beating right now. I don't know what's going on there, right. but uh, but hey, you know we've been there, so uh, good luck to them trying to figure it out. It's not easy. And then they went to Detroit and lost. So um, I don't, you know, it's we've we've it, we've talked about this a lot that this is a narrative of a season where we're going to see what we could learn about this team. That this is a team that should contend for a playoff spot. Are they going to be? worse than that or are they going to be much better than that i think uh we're 12 or so games in we're not exactly sure but listen it sure beats where we were looking a couple weeks ago after the jersey and the three losses in a row so overall not so bad considering new coaching staff and this idea of running it back so all in all not bad 
I didn't. I don't know what you guys talked about in the first twelve minutes of the show. What, what your take was? <laughs> but I uh, unfortunately know, as you know, I was just getting back from a trip. But uh, yes. you know, I, not too much. Uh, I, I didn't take too much from the week. It's good, right? And uh, anybody who's been a fan of this team for a long time could tell you that you know w- w- it's okay to just be okay for a little bit and be seven and five. So uh, we'll take it for now. Yeah, without a doubt. And look, they're they're in a much better place than they were two weeks ago, right? Now we're, we're talking about coming off a five-game winning streak. They they stumble a little bit against Detroit yesterday. And I guess let me ask you about a decision they made going into that. Everybody's singing Ilya Sorokin's praises for, for good reason. He's been a hero here for a couple of weeks now. What do you think of the decision for them to go with Varley? Not to say that he's the reason why they lost yesterday, but do you have an opinion on Lane Lambert going to Varley yesterday as opposed to riding the hot hand in Ilya Sorokin? Well, I have to say it's amazing that you asked this question because I'll let the listeners know that Sean and I, uh, we have no relationship whatsoever. We don't talk uh, before shows. We just bring it to we the really show. We don't like each other, honestly. And it was, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of like the truly professional week. relationship. Yeah, it was like, it's okay. And, uh, but, I, but when I do guest on your show, I don't know about when I go, when I guest on your show, I try to bring something to talk about. And the thing that I was, I have on a pad, because you know I write things down on, mm-hmm. on legal pads sometimes, was this issue of Sorokin. So never mind, never mind Saturday. Mm-hmm. What I would say, gentlemen and Sean, is that <laughs> we, is that, is that they, the Islanders play 15 back to backs by my count. And other than that, and if you want to pick, say, five more games. I feel that Ilya Sorokin should start. If they're playing every other game, he's fine. He's young. He's in his prime. He's their number one goalie. And we did talk about this a little bit at the beginning of the season. You play your best, generally speaking. I know this for us, Johnson arguments and things like that. But generally speaking, teams in every sport play their best players. Why would you not? play your best. So that's not why they lost Saturday, but, but in the big picture going forward, unless it's a back-to-back, I mean, they have one coming up, uh, there's no reason to do it. This is why you pay these guys. And the answer to the question was, well, what happens if Sorokin gets hurt? Well, then you play Varlamov all the time. Like right. That's the beauty of having this incredible insurance uh thing going on where you're you kept them around you're paying them as well good money but you should go with your best and in this case as you guys know and everybody listening knows your best is one of the best at his profession like he's one of the three best in the world so and this is a team that needs it so uh even though we agree that saturday uh wasn't the reason Sometimes there is something to be said for just putting your best out there as sending a message. They they need to put points in the bank and they can't let anything go to, well, let's play Varley, you know, we love him, you know, we don't want to want him to get too rusty. No, it's his job to stay sharp. And then when you get the call, sure. the reason why Glassley, the reason I wasn't here is because I was at the MLS Cup in Los Angeles for nice. do some work for, and we had this incredible story with this goalie who never played all season, wound up playing in the final minutes uh, because the main goalie got hurt, and he was a star in the PK, and it was this incredibly moving scene with this 
kind of backup for life who happened to be from Philadelphia, played for Los Angeles and beat Philadelphia by making these three incredible saves, wow. two incredible saves in particular. And the PKs and he was named MVP of the championship game. Wow. So, so, and so this is a case study in what you do as a backup is stay ready. So play Sorokin all the time, except for back to back. So what I will say before I ask you a question, Chris, Chris, how are you doing? How you doing, Stefan? What's going on? Nice to talk to Long Island royalty. Ah, oh, jeez, don't, don't <laughs> wow. put me there yet. Um, but I want to say about Varlamov starting is that the last time he started was a week ago against Colorado, and I think Lambert's looking at it as he's going to play the back-to-back. He's going to play against the Rangers. He dominates them at MSG. I don't think yeah. he wanted him to have, again, I'm not saying it's the right call. I don't think he wanted to have almost a week and a half off between games. So I think that's the only reason why he went. Um, to Varlama, but the hockey gods wanted Sorokin in because he got Varlamov got removed for concussion protocol. But my question to you is about the power play. They went two for nine this week. You know, what are you seeing from watching that? The reason why maybe they're not having as much success. You know, as uh, as Sean knows all too well, and I'll even you know I say this a lot. Like, is I'm not your analysis guy, but they are short a few of the horses um, in terms of they're not the most gifted offensive team. And I think that's, I think the power play is where that really shines and where it's important. Uh, and then, you know, it, it's going to run hot and cold. I, I know it continues to be cold and it's a problem right now for this team. I saw Kevin Kerr said, said, you know, if they could just get the power play going, this, the team could join the elite of the league. Uh, to my friend Kevin, I would say, I, I don't know if he meant to sound that uh, positive because the power play can catch on and then other things slow down. That's, yep, sure. that's kind of the nature of this long season. So what, you need to just be competent on the power play. They have gotten their chances. You know, I think that's going to be a real concern uh, later on as the season goes on and maybe closer to the deadline. They add some of the pieces for hopefully the playoffs. Um, but right now, you know, it just feels a little static. Um, another thing that people who've heard me on your show or other things I've done will say before, I hate the fact that an assistant coach has to wear this. Um, in this case, I'm assuming that everybody feels, well, Doug Hood is a defenseman, so right, he worked right. the defense. John McClain played power play. I'll defend John McClain. I'll go back to, we, I lived with this with Kip Miller uh, 20 years ago when Peter LaViolette was coach. Wow. And the one thing that we weren't good at, we, I should say, because I don't play, but I was with the team back then. The one thing that the team wasn't good at uh, in, in that year was the power play, and it sits with Kip. It's not about an assistant coach and system. The players got to play. So I know I'm not really answering your question as to say it's very static. But these things tend to run in cycles during the course of the season. And at some point, it will get a little better and possibly something else drops off. Yeah, for sure, Chris. There always seems to need to be a scapegoat. I remember when Scott Gomez's name used to come up all the time when the power play used to struggle a couple years back, you know. But, you know, you talk about the fact that maybe it's not such a huge deal now. And I think I think you have a decent point there just because of how well they're playing five on five and especially on the PK. So maybe it gives them a little time to, to work on the power play, right? Yeah, and that's uh, all these uh, coaches talk about how they need their practice. I think if you're the coaches, all you could do is just get out there, keep on working at it, 
these are your players. Like, you know, these are your players probably until February, uh, at least. Uh, you know, Patrick Kane is not showing up tomorrow, for example. I don't know if he's showing up in February, but in all likelihood, he's not showing up tomorrow. This seems to be the group that you're going with. So, honestly, it just, it's a, it's a storyline, and I get it, and it is a concern. But there also kind of comes a point where you are what you are in terms of your gifts. And I think this is, I think this is a team that's never going to have a great power play. You just want to get it so that they can get the occasional timely one, right? Uh, and I, I suspect, I suspect that they will. And I think Lambert's trying to mix things up. I know when Salah came out of the lineup, Ryan Pulak got put back on the power play and then power play two, he's at the point. And we've seen him do a little stutter step move like Salah did where he creates that shooting lane. But Again, it's about consistency and hitting the net. I think yesterday on the power play, he snapped a stick on a one-timer. They got the look yeah. they wanted. So I think Lambert's trying, but like you said, I agree. You need that game changer. When you have that game changer, elite score, superstar, that's where he, I mean, he pays off five on five, but on the power play, when he gets a chance to let one rip, those guys usually score more often than not. So I think I agree with you. Like This power play might be able to be good enough to help them, but they're not going to be an elite power play team unless they have an elite score, and that's what they're missing. Yeah, and, and and Wallstrom is the one player on the team who couldn't, you know, score from somewhere, you know, beyond the average. Uh, so I I hope it's something where they're continuing to work with him and get him in that spot so that he's featured on the power play even more eventually. I don't really know what happened with Ryan Clark there. It was kind of like an early season mystery where somebody actually called in our show, Stefan, with that question and Sean and I were a little speechless. The best <laughs> I could come up with was that perhaps he had maybe a little shoulder, uh, a shoulder issue or something that was right. maybe affecting his shot. Because, I mean, he it, he should be there. I'm not yeah. saying he's the greatest in the world, but if he's not there, like something's wrong. So, uh, listen, there's still the, – the good news for the Lambert era here is that they're they're still figuring things out, but they're above water. They're above NHL 500. And, um, you know, they're able to work on things. So we're past the point of, uh, mercifully of that, you know, great concern after the Jersey loss and what followed after it. And they're buying a little more time. What, where they're missing is, and I've heard this talked about, you know, other teams who've gotten off the great starts like Boston, uh, Howie Rose had mentioned it on a thing that I had done last year. Uh, uh, when the Islanders started 11, one, one and one back at you know, five categories and uh, in, in the 0102 season. Uh, Peter Laviolette's first year, they they literally lived off of that start. I believe they oh, played yeah. five hundred. I, I believe they played five hundred the rest of the way. And one of the assistant coaches back then was a French Canadian, a former great player, Jacques Leperrier. Yeah. And he and he openly just talked about points in the bank, points in the bank. How he <laughs> does the accent, I mean, but but there is something to be said for that. So and that kind of goes back to my Sorokin thing too. Is like you just don't want to leave anything to chance. I get it. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup in October, November. You're not going right. to, but there is, you know, you just don't want to let points go by the wayside. I don't think Dave, I'm trying, I'd have to think about it. You know, they've kind of lost the games they deserve to lose. I don't think there's been anything where you'd say, oh, that was really bad or that, you know, coaching decision or lineup decision was bad. I agree. But, um, but the Sorokin thing is, is worth watching. This is the, You'd love to. We think of uh, Lundqvist and Sturk, and we think of our teams who've had these elite, elite 
goalies. The Islanders now have one. Um, we could debate how long it's been, you know, since we've had one. I was thinking not so long ago, perhaps a subject for another day, at the risk of hyperbole, that by the end of this year, Ely Sorokin could be the second best goaltender in Islanders history. Um, you can to let me know who's second uh, and third right now, but he's getting there really closely. And my thing is, is you play them. You don't know how long a career is going to be. I'm not saying you waste this guy. I'm not saying you physically harm him. He's young. He could take it. He's used to playing a lot. He wants to play a lot. So, you know, get him out there. He should be playing 60 to 65 games as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. And, and maybe that's a, a future top five for, for you and us on the program, talking about the starting yeah. goalies. But Robin Salo's name came up. And he's a guy who's been in and out of the lineup. He, it looked like he had the the bottom six pairing job with Scott Mayfield to start the season. He he sputtered out of the gate a little bit. Sebastian Ajo takes it away. And now Salo gets sent back to Bridgeport this morning. And with your experience working in the team in the past, and you look at a young guy like that who's trying to make his way, and he's he's in and out of the not only in and out of the lineup, but also getting sent back and forth from the from the farm team. Do you, can you recall an experience maybe with a player that you work with? And you don't have to name any names, but you know, just looking at how that might weigh on a player, a guy who might get frustrated or who's looking for his chance. Do you, do you look at that situation and, and and does it remind you of somebody who maybe you know might have gotten a little frustrated or had a rough time with that, just trying to you know, find his, his footing in the lineup? Yeah, that's a good question. In terms of uh, going to the minors, we've seen guys like, you know, Wallstrom not get the ice time or be sure. scratched and things like that. And you wonder, uh, in the end, and it is true, coaches will tell you, GMs will tell you, uh, even other players will tell you that if a guy is a real player, you know, he will battle through that. Um, see us in the minors. Um, they see this in baseball and other sports. Uh, where it's just like, why is he keeps on being the one being sent down? Um, listen, we're pretty close to the thing with Robin Follow. Um, you know, what was the thing? It was a movie with Connolly was in, like, she's just not that into you or something along the lines of that. And I know there's this movie out now, um, uh, the Banshees of Anna Sharon Arsh movie where the, the, oh, the yeah. guy just stops talking to the other guy. And, and, uh, you know, it has something to do with the fact he just decides he doesn't like him anymore. So I don't like him giving anything too much away there. But the, the point of, the point of all this is, is like, is that like we like Robin Powell, right? The yeah. fans like Robin Powell. Mm-hmm. We like what he represents. We like that prospect. Uh, we like the things that we've seen with our own eyes too, even though we're, we're not scouts or necessarily experts. But when this keeps on happening, when he keeps on being the odd guy out, uh, also in um, favor of, of, of Sebastian Ajo, for example, there just comes a point where, okay, we got to give our people, uh, our people meaning the GM and the coach, the benefit of the doubt. So right. something's not adding up right there. You know, I last year I think it was just like we need him playing. And if that's him playing a lot in Bridgeport, that's fine. Right. Now it just might be. They just don't, you know, he's not one of their six best. I'm not going to go down the Sorokin road again, but they're doing this because they're playing their six best on D, and right now Salo isn't it. Right. Well, Chris, thanks so much for the assist tonight. Really appreciate you hopping on with us. Looking forward to getting back in the saddle with you in a future show, and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your night. You got it, Sean. Thank you, Stephen. Good luck, everybody. Thanks a lot, Chris. Take it easy. All right, folks, that was the great Chris Botta, co-host of Hockey Night in New York. 
Good stuff. So, Stefan, let's pick it up with that Robin Salo talk. And, you know, you look at this situation, like I, like I noted with Chris, looked like he had the job to start, kind of sputters out of the gate. Now it's Ajo's job to take back. And, in fact, Chris and I uh, tackled this, this, this question last week, talking about, you know, whether Salo should be in, whether Ajo should hold on to it. And what's your thoughts on that? You're obviously you're covering the games here. What do you make of Ajo's game so far, and do you think Salo's going to deserve a chance sooner than later? Yeah, so with Ajo, we know what he is. Last time I was on the show, we talked about it. We know that right. he's pretty much an extra forward when he's on the ice. <laughs> okay, fair he's gonna, enough. He's going to make some plays. Like we saw against Detroit. Spinorama move, cut to the net move. Sure, yeah. He makes plays. Right. The problem is he's good for one or two mistakes in his own zone. Yeah. Where you got to say, okay. Mental blunders, Mental you blunders. Will. And yeah. you have to say, well, is that worth it? Now, I think with Salah being reassigned today, I think it's more of a strategic thing than his play. They want Get to him some games in the bridge. Yeah, I spoke to Lambert um, after the last game when I was in uh, St. Louis, and I said, "What is is Salo showing you anything during warmups yeah. during practice?" And he said, "He's doing the right things." You know, okay. Lambert doesn't give much away, but I think you look at it as the Islanders right now are going to rock sixty. They don't go on the road till next Tuesday. Right. Bridgeport has a couple of guys banged up. Grant Hutton's okay. one of those guys that's banged up. Okay. Bridgeport played today. They lost one nothing to Providence. Salo played. Thompson after the game. Uh, shout out to my intern, Joshua Linsenberg. He was there. there you he, spoke, go. he spoke to Thompson, and Thompson okay. said, I thought he played well. It was a playoff-like atmosphere. He held his own. He's moving the puck. And he thought he, he thought he, he played well. And I think because the Islanders don't go on the road till next week, because Bridgeport played today, mm. and Bridgeport has two more games Friday and Saturday, this allows Sal to get some big minutes down there. Maybe if it was just for today, he might get called up, called up this week. But mm. get him games where he's going to play. He's been sitting and not doing anything. I think it's important for his development, but what you've seen at the NHL level from Salon, if you remember last year, there was an opportunity for him to be called up, I think, in March. Mm-hmm. And Witherspoon got Witherspoon got called right, up instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember Trot saying, Witherspoon's been our best defenseman. Salo wasn't down there, and he should have been. So that's a wake-up call for Salo. Right. So now the biggest thing is, when he comes in the lineup, he's got to be consistent, because as much as Aho maybe makes those mistakes, yeah. he is consistent with it. <laughs> I suppose that's and true. I think they trust more of what he they could bring and getting. the experience than the question okay. marks of Sal because Sal comes in, he has really, really good games, like we right. said earlier, or really, really bad games. Mm-hmm. Again, as much as Aho makes some mistakes, you know exactly what you're gonna get from Aho on a sure. nightly basis. Mayfield knows exactly what he's gonna get. And I think that's also important. That's a good point. Where I'm not saying Mayfield goes into the game saying, Okay, Aho's gonna make four or five mistakes yeah, in the game. Yeah, but yeah. I know where Aho struggles. I know when he needs me more. When mm-hmm. Salo, you're getting the best of the best one night, the worst of the worst. Very hard for a defenseman to read that, especially when you're not playing sure. with him every day. So sure. I think, like I'd like Bada said, you're playing your sixth best demon now, and Aho is part of that. And I think Salah still needs to fine-tune his game. There's things he has to work on. As for his confidence level, every time I see Salah, we smiling. He always willing okay. to talk. But there comes a time when you get an opportunity, you got to make the most of it because we yeah. know for a fact Salah should be in there over hot. And he, he just hasn't taken the chance and been consistent with it. Right. And it seems like last year, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he seemed a little frustrated when he was sent down last year. He, he made some felt comments. like he belonged, right? He yeah. said something about how he didn't want to be in, like, he didn't like Bridgeport at the which, area. Which, I, I, I mean, I don't know, blame him. But um, I'd prefer to be playing for the New York Islanders instead of the Bridgeport Islanders, too. So it makes sense. But he was given, like you said, that chance right off the bat. He yeah. was a six man from the start. No one else got the chance until mm. the end of preseason when Aho got the opportunity. Right. So. That was a big chance for Salo, and I'm not going to say he blew it because he's still young. This is only his second year in North America. Right. I spoke to him about it. He said there's a lot of things he's still learning about, the ice and the surface and the speed, even coming into this year. So I think still a learning curve, but he's going to play big minutes in Bridgeport. When he gets that chance again, they're going to give Aho the benefit of the doubt. So unless Salo blows in the way and it's consistent, right. and also Islanders are winning. They're playing better hockey. Right. 
you're not going to, we haven't seen Salo in because the Islanders have been winning with Ajo. And I was right. not the reason they've, they lost yesterday. I was no. not the reason they've, you know, lost it all. Really. It's a whole right. team effort, but yeah, if Salah comes back in, he's got to take it because if not, they're going to go right back to Ajo. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I agree with the notion that it's more just to get him into some games. Options too. I would have to go on waivers. Salah's waiver exempt, and that's how that you know that that comes. That's a big part of it. Right, right. No, for sure. But I do think it's just to get him some more reps. Yeah. If he's not going to play. Have them playing down at Bridgeport, and they're doing great down there. By the way, they keep winning games. Yeah, they which lost is today. They, the first loss at home, they were five and zero to start the season at home. I think they're seven two one and zero right now. So I'll have to see it. Yeah, I actually, feel like they haven't had a winning season alone. I know they made the playoffs last year, which is obviously had a good a, step. Either they had a but, really strong end of the year, or they had a really slow end of the year, but they got points early, something like that. But they yeah. got into the playoffs. But right, they have so much talent this year. I mean, Dufour has been impressed. Everyone complained about you know can't skate. He's skating on two-on-ones with Ratu and coming through. He's scoring right. big goals in overtime. He's scoring in the shootout. Um, Ratu looks great. Isakov, who just won... Uh, yeah, guys putting up points. HL of the month, putting up points. Looks like a mini Goudreau down there. And his biggest thing was his size. We saw him in preseason. He, you know, he gets pushed around. Right, right, right. But he, lo- he looks great. Samuel Boldick looks great. And he had yeah, a, he's putting up a lot of points too, right? Up. Yeah, I, I think he has eight or nine assists. I mean, five goals, I think eight assists or three yeah. goals. But he was banged up last year, you know? Skarik's taking a step. Schneider's the starter. But, I mean, this, this is probably the most talented Bridgeport team they've had in a while. And then it's also... It's been a long time. You see players, like, I'm not going to want to poke fun at Michael Dow Cole, but you sure. see players like that where maybe they were taking a spot away from someone right. who's now playing better. And you also have that veteran leadership, too. Like, Grant Hutton, speaking to him to, at training camp and development camp, he was at mm-hmm. development camp. That guy's a leader. I know maybe he okay. doesn't wear a C or an A yeah, for yeah. Bridgeport, but if you want to point to someone in the locker room about, okay, he's an unsung leader there, Grant Hutton gets my vote. The whole time. All right, so a little Bridgeport report here. Not bad, not bad. So, yeah, get Salah some games down there if he's not going to play up here. He's going to have plenty of chances to get back in there. And if Ajo tends to struggle or maybe if some of his mishaps, his hiccups do lead to some losses or at least some some bad plays for the Islanders, then I'm sure Salah's going to get back in there. And I think at the deadline, too, it depends where this team is. If they're going to go out, they got to get a score for sure. But they could go get a veteran defenseman as well. If they don't don't think Salah's ready and, you again, you don't think Ajo can handle the playoffs if they're close – Go out and get a veteran defense. You don't have to go get a chicken. I mean, that's what everybody wants to see. The amount yeah. where you would have the asking price is ridiculous. And again, if your team's winning, the last thing you want to do is bring a guy in and also have to give get rid of pieces that are the reason why you're winning. They don't want to do that. For sure. Well, let's rapid fire through the other two games in that road trip yeah. and then move on to the special teams. So real quick, Thursday, they go into St. Louis, 5-2 win. Blues are all over them in the first period. All over, yeah. it, it almost looks like the Blues figured it out, and of course the Islanders are going to be the victim, right? And the Blues go up, a, go up ahead in the first period, but then the second period comes, and the Islanders blow the doors off. Four unanswered goals. Yeah, everything was clicking. Bennington was. I mean, we could talk about Bennington for a second. I know Chris Botta said he was watching the MLS Cup. I don't know who dove more, those players or Bennington, because <laughs> very you nice. Just, you know, I wrote an article, and you know, people thought maybe it was a too fanny, but I, I wasn't poking fun at Binghamton, uh, Bennington for his play against the Islanders. I mean, he had mm-hmm. some reckless decisions. It's a bad look for NHL goalies. They do a lot to protect goalies in the NHL. Right, right. And when you see a goalie, not just him, but you see it often where goalies are flying back when they don't get touched. I mean, Wallstrom came behind the net to play a puck that Bennington had on a stick, maybe grazed him. Bennington's trying to win an Oscar, doesn't even win an Emmy. Like, it's... He's a special case. He has a reputation, not only for yeah. the antics when he's getting bumped, but then he's obviously bumping into guys. He bumps into Sorokin we'll there. See I saw that, and I first I thought it was Sorokin giving him the business for kind of how he was acting. Then I look back, and I was like, okay, obviously it was Bennington who did the bumping. But I was a little proud of Sorokin for a second So I there. spoke to Sorokin after the game. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. His English, by the way, he speaks better English than most people. He's quiet, but I asked him, and I said, 
So what do you think? And he goes, he goes, it's funny. I was so relaxed. Then he goes, I don't think I should say anything else. And then he doesn't say anything <laughs> else right, in the matter. Right, but fair enough. you saw his reaction. Strokin was pretty much like, what right, are you doing? And right, Binnington, right. I don't know if you guys caught this, during Anders Lee's fight with Mikola, Binnington speared Lee in the balls. I did not see that. Not speared. He more of had it in the area. I don't, That's again, nice of him. That's very Again, nice Binnington does what he does to get under people's skin. He's right. like a Marchant in goal. The problem is he focused more on that than stopping the puck. Yeah, and he lost his own game trying to get other guys to yeah, lose their I game. Mean, so have at it, Jordan. <laughs> Go right ahead. Yeah, he wasn't great. I mean, he makes those flashy saves. He's, again, he, he's a, he won a cup. He's a guy, but yeah. he's a little hothead in there. And I think yeah. for goalies, it's all a mental game. Most you know of who it. used to be like that? Robin Lanner. Not so much in the diving end of things, but yeah. he, he used to get a little rough. There's a difference between firing up your team or yeah. standing up for yourself, and then right. you're looking for trouble. Right, right, Bennington right. looks for trouble, and again, I don't know how his teammates view him. In fact, but. Robin Lanner almost did the same thing Bennington did to Sorokin, too. I think it was Kevin Poulin years yeah, ago it was. when it he was, was playing for Ottawa. So it's kind of funny yeah. to see that happening again, but obviously Leonard's taken a, a completely different uh, But the Islanders, yeah, after that first period, then. they found their game, and... yeah. The Blues also didn't help themselves with the way they played out. I think they put a lot of their energy to starting strong. They had to. I mean, after your GM calls you out, you had a mm. players-only meeting, you got to come out flying or you're you're in big trouble. And they just fell apart. And once the Islanders found their game, this is the biggest thing for the Islanders, why they've had a winning record, is once they get to their game, they're getting goals. They're getting production, and then they're holding the lead. Again, last year, yep. there was a lot of games where they didn't get to their game. If they went down one nothing last year, you could. that's a wrap. That's how it sure. felt like. But this year, you're back to the... the Early trot years, trot years when they got their system where they get a lead, a one thing lead, they're winning that. They're not blowing that. And not only that, you see that they're getting goals, but they're getting goals from guys that need to be scoring. Guys yes. that we were questioning all season last year until it was too late in the second Palmieri, half. Right? I Parisi. Keep, right, and I know I, every episode, every week, I keep making a making a joke or a comment about you know Palmieri and stuff like that. But he gets on the score sheet. Brock gets on the score sheet. He's hot now. Josh Bailey on the score sheet. Anders Lee. And then JGP gets the empty net goal. And JGP's first goal of the year, and he's done. We'll get to that in a little bit. But he's done yeah. so much for this team. That, again, you say the little things. People say, well, Pedro, Pedro's got a score. I think he has five assists on the year, and now he has a goal. But he does so much other things. Power play. Penalty kill. Face-offs. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But sure. he does so much for this team where he's kind of an, not a, I wouldn't say immovable asset, but he's one of those, I'm not going to say he's like butch scoring at all. When you talk about players though, that are sure. under the under, we have a good players in front of you. You always have those players that do things that don't... Again, people go on Josh Bailey all the time. Mm-hmm. He does so many little things during the game that you don't even realize. I, I mean, I asked Lambert, what does he do that you know that stands out? And he could go through it, but we're not right. hockey minds like they are. So many little things to help his line, to do things that we don't see, and that goes under the radar. No, not only that... But and they're they're amplified to like the nth degree in the playoffs. Like he's yeah, a guy, and that's why Bailey's a playoff performer because right. those things happen. Pajot, in the games. those are the type. I mean, look, they got to get. We've learned from this team over the last couple of years. Even the ones they got in, they backed in, right? Yeah. That they have to prove that they can be a regular season team over eighty two games. So far, so decent to start the this offensive season. Offensive output and the gr- more aggressive style should help because it alleviates. Pr- you know, your defense when you have to make sure that you didn't allow a goal. Right. Or you might lose. The, the stra- I'm not going to say the, the defensemen felt stressed. They have a job to do every night. I spoke to Pulak about that. I said, mm. does the uptick in offense, from the forwards at least, help you guys? And he goes, our game plan every game is to not allow them to score. It doesn't matter what our offensive does. That's how, right. they, that's how they view it, and that's, that's really how they should. Yeah. But at the same time, we all know, okay, if you, allow a, if you score a couple of goals early, it alleviates pressure off the defense having to yep. be perfect. It mm-hmm. alleviates pressure off the goaltenders to have to be perfect. And that means less stress the whole year. And you know, stress leads to injuries, you know, all those things. Whereas if you could keep your offense going, play the defense you're playing, get the goaltending, you go into the playoffs, you're probably much healthier. 
less sure. time in your own zone, less blocking shots, all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, True. less pressure that it might help you. Again, we have to see it be consistent. We're a little over 10% into the season. It's It's been good. But again, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. For sure. And just to wrap the road trip up, they go into Detroit yesterday. the the afternoon, the dreaded afternoon game They're that nobody in the country likes. In Detroit, especially, they don't they don't they don't right. do well. So they go in another slow start, and they actually never really get going. Yeah. Obviously, they're held off the penalties. score sheet. Yes, they take a lot of penalties. They they end up losing the game three nothing to another young up and coming team. And, and on I, fire right now. Yeah, they just no. came back to beat the Rangers tonight. They were down two goals, and they won 3-2 in overtime. Halak broke Look, I said this going into the season, that teams like Detroit, Ottawa, Jersey, Buffalo, I mean, Philly. I mean, f- even Philly. I mean, I think that's eventually going to fall off the tracks. You know, one of those, like... They're, up, they're a team that you knew they were going to come out of the gates because no one had any um, sure. uh, anything going for them, thinking that they were going to be terrible. They're not. There's no shot they keep that up. But, but, but just to, to go on these teams, like, I thought they were going to be better, but they're even better than I thought. Now, the granted, Devils. Now, granted, this... This could balance out over the yeah, course of the course. season, right? These these teams are young. They're still learning the 82-game grind. We'll see how that works out when we get into the 20, 30, 40-game yeah. mark. Buffalo always had a tendency to start off strong and then fall Every off a cliff. Season. Every season. And I season. think this group is, I mean, shout out to Kyle Oposo as the captain now. I think yeah. he's been a coaster change since he got there. And I know he had, you know, injury riddle seasons. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Tage Thompson's a superstar. They gave him a big contract this offseason. Everyone flipped out. Mm-hmm. He's playing to that level of a contract right now. They have young guys. Darlene had a record to start the season with goals by a defenseman. Right. So, you know, things are clicking. Detroit, again, is a very young team as well. Yep. Super, they have guys will be... I mean, this not that Detroit will make the playoffs. Lucas Raymond like, looks great. But it was like 25 Kubelik. years in a row they made the playoffs. I don't think we'll ever see that again because the cap mm-hmm. and everything. Sure. But once these guys be, get to that elite level, because they're all the same age, this is going to be a tough and, team. And Billy Husso's having a tremendous season so far. Go he back, gets the shutout. Go back to Bennington. The reason why Husso is probably no longer on St. Right. Louis is because... They signed Bennington to a massive contract. Right. You can't keep that guy. And I know Huso, I think, was unrestricted. So yeah. it didn't work out. But Huso is great. And Delkovich is solid. Um, he, he hasn't been as good as he's been since his rookie year. But right. you have a really young, good team that Eisenman's only going to make better. Yeah, Perron joins them too. So Yeah, it's 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 the Eastern Conference is going to continue to get tougher. And we're already seeing seeing kind of you know hints of that now with, with Jer- playing Jersey. And you're seeing and the older teams, the Capitals, the Penguins, struggle and fall yeah. off. And that you're yeah. like, like a changing of the times, if you will. And I think the Tower Islanders... Goes, it's a circle. And <laughs> the Rangers are obviously still up there and they'll be good for a while. But yeah, this is the Islanders' chance with Washington yeah. and Pittsburgh yeah. falling off. Because again, we just spoke about how those other teams, those young teams, we'll see how it balances out. But this is the time for the Islanders to just play consistent. They'll pass those teams falling. And eventually when those other young teams start to fall, if the Islanders can stay consistent... You know, maybe we were thinking they'd make a wild card spot to the end of the third spot. Who knows? They could be in that second spot. We'll it's, see. It's a lot more open now yeah. than uh, I thought it would be at the beginning of the season. Now, again, things t- tend to balance out, and we'll see how it all goes. Like, Boston's not going to continue to win 10 out of 12 games or whatever Especially it is. Especially after, you know, that controversial signing. They, they look distracted yeah, yesterday. I, I'd love to get into we that. We don't get into we that. We don't have yeah, the time, yeah, but, so. I mean, what a, what a joke that was. But, but, look, I mean, the Islanders are in a decent spot now. They, they they earn themselves into a play. They're probably in a, in a wild card spot are now. In, they're After, in the top wild card spot. Or they might be third at this point. They're a point. No, they're in the wild card spot, but they're a point behind. They were the they were in third after third. the win over St. Louis. Yeah. There's been some games since then. I think they're in, in the wild card yeah. area right now. But it's a good spot to be in. They're competitive. There's some teams that are struggling. There's some teams that are doing better than we thought. But they're in the mix. So they just got to continue to build off what they've done so far. Exactly. You, you take two out of three in on a on a three game road trip. And we'll see it. They got four big games coming up, which we're going to talk about in a little while. But look, things are a lot better than they were a couple of weeks ago. They were in last place a couple of weeks ago. 
they're giving us a reason to watch, and that's all yep. we can ask for. And they're scoring they're scoring a lot more goals than we thought they were going to score. So I'd say I'd say they're off to a pretty decent start here. So real quick before we get into the segments, special teams has been a big factor for this team. In fact, in huge huge yesterday against the Detroit Red Wings. What are you seeing out of the special teams? Obviously, they break the penalty-killing record, eight-game streak, not giving up a power play goal. They go 28 for 28. They finally give up a few more. They're working at a 90.4% clip right now. Uh, right now, they've given up They've sorry. They've they've killed off thirty eight of forty two. So real quick on the penalty kill, and we'll talk about the power play. Yeah. So on this three game set, they're nine for twelve in the PK, and you can't rely on the penalty kill to be perfect the whole year. It was yeah. never it was never going to happen. And I think sure. again, we talked about Sorokin bailing the Islanders out early in the year. You could talk about the unsung hero of this team was the penalty kill because they right. kept the Islanders in games that maybe they shouldn't have been in. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're seeing from the penalty kill is that you just have leaders on the penalty kill. You have Pajot and Parise, Sizikis. You have guys like that Mayfield on defense. They're just stepping up. And again, the goaltender, you know, it's cliche that they have to be your best penalty killer and people yeah. don't like that. But at the same time, I mean, it's true. Right. You have a goalie that could bail you out. I mean, it's a five on three they gave up yesterday. And unfortunately, we can talk about the officiating for a second. It wasn't good. You can't blame officiating for the reason you lost. The Islanders right. had chances on the power play. They didn't capitalize. They had chances five on five. They didn't capitalize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you look back and, you know, you had a, a Romanov hook early, which... David Perron did the veteran chicken wing, which yes, again, yes, again yes. credit to David Perron. That, that's what you yeah, got to do. I was not happy about that. No, he was. And he very <laughs> he was shows that emotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Pellick takes a hook after Wallstrom steps in for Barzell, who gets hit up high. Legal hit. Mm-hmm. You don't hate what Wallstrom did. Second time he's actually fought against uh, the Red Wings last year. Bavilla got rocked and uh, Wallstrom okay. jumped in. Do you want him coming across the ice? Again, you could have gotten him in more trouble there. Mm-hmm. And again, if he thinks that it's a dirty hit, he's going to defend his players. I'd say better to see fire out of than not. Oh, Even if it may sure. not be the most calculated decision, I'd rather see Wallstrom sticking up for his teammates than, than looking the and other way. And the only way. reason we're talking about it is because Pellick takes the, the phantom hooking penalty. It's a 5 on 3 because, I mean, more often than not, statistically, the Islanders are going to kill off that Wallstrom right. penalty. That's how mm-hmm. it's worked. Right. They take the, uh, Pellick takes the hook, which I don't know what he was the ref was looking at, but yeah. that's a hard job, I guess. Yeah. And the Islanders get a little screwed Was there a rookie that. referee in that there game? There was a rookie referee. Yeah. We had a bunch of icing calls that weren't icings. Mm. Uh, Matt Mar- when you see Matt Martin smash... Well, that's on smash, the officials, though. That's on yeah, the linesman. Not the linesman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you see Matt Martin smash his stick against the glass, because he's yeah, going to be like, I mean, he was not happy. Sezikis, uh Barzal got on a breakaway, and he gets high-sticked. By Sherratt. So there were there were definitely calls missed, but again, the Islanders did not lose because of those calls. It right. just didn't help them. Look, 82-game season, you're going to lose games like that. Yeah, of course. Th- things aren't going to go your way, whether it's breaks with you know puck battles, whether it's breaks with the officiating. These things are going to happen. And they didn't play well enough. Yeah, at the end of the day, for sure. But I don't think you look at yesterday's game and say, oh, man, back to back to bad habits. They're, they're going to go in the tank now. No, I, look, you, you take this one in stride. Season. They get their one afternoon game of the season out of the way. I think the earliest That's they it? play after this is 5 p.m. Probably. Later on in the season, I think that might be a game against Buffalo. Either way. They used to play all the time on Saturday afternoons, and they, they just say, you know what? No more. I think they I looked at the Islanders' record in the afternoon game and said, so. you know what? We have to play this to our advantage. Whatever the case is, it's out of the way. And like I said, they got those four games coming up, which we're just about to dive into. But the power play real quick. We covered it with Chris, so we don't have to yeah. dive too much into this. Uh, 13.5%. Uh, they've only scored five out of 37 chances. So obviously... Lee has three of them. Nelson has Dobson one. Has and Dobson one. has one. So there you have it. There's your five power and play goals. two of goals. them came in the same game. Right. So, yeah, not off to a great start. But this was kind of expected. Yeah. Their power play hasn't been great. It got better at the end of last season, but you 22% know, twenty two percent last year. But again, that was a bad year, and no and, one really cares. And about when the power you pick play. things up in the second half of a losing year, you always take that with a grain of salt. So, look, I'm not saying that this power play doesn't have what it takes to be good, or at least in the top half. You know, you're, you're happy. Look, you're happy with like 
14, 15, 16, 17. That's fine. Because especially if you're goaltending like we talked about before and your PK is picking up the slack and you're scoring five on five, which they're doing now, you can get away with that. Now, look, if the power play was completely in the tank and they were struggling elsewhere, then yeah, of course, it's, it's a bigger sore spot. But the fact that the rest of the team and the, the other aspects of the team were able to kind of pick it up, you can kind of coast it. That's not to say don't try to get better, but it's not, it's not the reason why the Islanders have lost, what, four games now in the season, five games, whatever the case may be. I, I personally believe, and I, was, I did an article for NY Hockey Now about the power play being the missing piece. I know Bada said, and Kurz also said that, mm. but it, it's true. I looked at their high danger chains on the power play mm. or expected goals, and there's a couple right. they, they, have, they should have more than they have. Now, does that make you an undefeated team? No. It is probably one or two more wins, and we'll see how that plays out at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But again, most teams don't come through on the power play. What do you usually want? One for four is good. On a, on a given night, but it's the fact that, you know, entries are, are tough. They allowed their first short at a goal, which is a backbreaker. So you're seeing a backbreaker yesterday, so that gave them a 2 nothing lead, but you're seeing the power play just struggle to break into the zone, and when they're in the zone, a little too pass-happy. Mm. You want to see them shoot. Brock Nelson this year, and I talked to him about it, he's playing on the right wall as a one-time option. He hasn't right. really done that before. And mm. I also he also said that if the play calls for me to cut to the slot and shoot, He's going to do that too, and yeah. I think that's something that he needed to do more of, and he has, and we'll get to him in a little bit also. But this power play has the chances. They're just sometimes trying to get that too pretty of a goal. And again, also, like I said, they're not getting into the zone quick enough with speed. Other teams throwing the puck down with ease. Sometimes, you know, they don't get momentum. That's the biggest thing too. It's one thing to not score in the power play. Sure. But it should always help you build momentum going forward, and it hasn't done that enough. And listen, I think they need an elite scorer to help with that, but they have the mm-hmm. piece there to do enough. Yeah. You know, Barzal is doing his thing, but again, Barzal shooting a little. He sh- shot a little more yesterday. He just missed the net about four or five times, which hurt him. <laughs> but he's yeah. shooting, which is the positive. Right. Again, you want to, you know, Pulak, you want to get those lanes, but when you get those chances, if it's a Pulak one-timer, Wallstrom one-timer, you can't be whiffing. Because again, that could make or break a game like that. And the tides turned yesterday when the Islanders didn't score on their power play. For sure. Well, Stefan, now we're going to do a rapid fire what's on tap. We're going to look at the games ahead. So hit the screen there, Edzo. We're going to talk what's on tap real quick. The Islanders have four games coming up, starting tomorrow night at UBS Arena against the Calgary Flames. Then the following night, they head to MSG, a short little road trip over there to play the New York Rangers, who, as you've noted, have been struggling lately. So that'll be an interesting game. They're going to be looking for a little revenge after that first 3-0 shutout. Thursday, the Coyotes come into town. And then Saturday, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are at the bottom of the league. Dumpster fires. With Johnny <laughs> Gaudreau, who... Who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jeez, that didn't work out uh, so well. Look, a lot of season left, but yeah. my goodness, not looking good over there. So, real quick, just talk about the four games ahead, yeah. and then we'll move on. So, the Calgary Flames have lost four straight. Okay. Now, as my good friend Brendan Azoff would say, is all streaks must come down at some point. But, okay. again, like I said, if the Islanders get to their game early... Yeah. They're golden. The question is, can they get out fast? Kod- I mean, they have Kadri there. The- we know what Flames did this offseason. Sure. They're going to be better than losing four out of their five every time. That's how it's going to be. But if you allow them to get to their game first, any team to get to their game first, your chance of winning drops significantly. So I think the Islanders have to come out of the gates strong. Again, they didn't play well against Detroit. Lambert called them out for their speed. Right. I think we'll see a response there. And you have to get the Flames. Again, the Flames are struggling. They're going to be pressing. They're going to be doing things like that. Take advantage of that in transition. They're going to be pressing, be aggressive get behind their defense, make their goaltending pay. For the Rangers, they've lost two straight. Tonight, they blew a 2-0 two, uh, two lead to Detroit and right. lost in overtime. This is not a good hockey team right now. you got to take advantage of teams what that shame. are struggling. What a shame, right? <laughs> Arizona, they just beat the Caps 3-2. to two. They're, they're under 500, but not at the bottom of the, of the totem pole right now. Mm-hmm. 
Arizona's a weird team, man. Mullet Arena, if you want to talk about that. I, mean, I love We don't have the time, but yes, yeah, yeah. we'll do it another time. Yeah. And then Columbus is on a five-game losing streak. They are the worst team in hockey. So again, these are you look at the schedule, and, and yeah. the reason the NHL is great is because any team can beat any team in any given yeah, night. Yeah. We mm-hmm. love that about the NHL. Right. But these are teams that the honors can beat and yeah. should beat. I mean, at least at, at the minimum, two and two, but there's no way they shouldn't get points in three of the four games. Maybe a little just, two, one and one. Yeah, exactly. Sure. But again, if the Islanders could play their game against these teams that are all struggling. Right. Right. Good teams beat bad teams. Great teams beat good teams. And you have to... And if three you of them be, are at home. Three, three of them are, are at home. home. And yep. again, one of them is at MSG and Varlamov's probably going to play. We'll right. find out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He has absolutely dominated at MSG. Yeah. Can the offense score? Will Shosturkin be in? I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, looking ahead... Not that it's an easy schedule at all. No games are easy, but this is an opportunity for the Islanders to pad the points. And like and Bada said, you got to put the points in the bank early. Right. This is the time to do it. When you're playing teams that are struggling, you cannot let them get to their game because that's how they snap out of that. No question about it. So, Edzo, cue up Hero of the Week. Let's run through our heroes. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Half price hero this week is the Sally with grilled roast beef, sauteed onion, mushrooms, fresh mozzarella on a toasted Garlic Hero, stop on in to Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington. Mention Hockey Night New York and get half off the Selly. So with that out of the way, Stefan Rosner, who is your hero of the week? Yeah, so we're going to take it off with Brock Nelson. He had two goals this week. Heading into the Detroit uh, Red Wings game, he had five goals in his last four games. This is the guy that scored 37 last year. They need him to score. He was getting points. I think he had eight assists. Mm-hmm. But again, you're paying him to score goals. He has to be a goal scorer for this team. So he scores two goal, uh, goals this week. Game winner for Chicago on a breakaway glove side. That showed confidence. He wasn't confident earlier in the year. If you're going to shoot rather than deke, that means you're confident in your, confident in your shot. Right. That's big. Lambert said that after the Carolina game where he scored two goals, he's moving his feet. We're seeing more of Nelson being in the play. I feel like he maybe was a little bit, you know, he wasn't completely involved. He wasn't back checking, doing the things that make Brock Nelson good. He scores two goals. He had the go-ahead goal versus St. Louis. Um, they scored two, which eliminated that as being the game winner. But again, he scored again. Um, he has five, like I said, five goals in four games. He had a four-game goal streak. Again, this is a guy that's streaky. Yeah, yeah. But we saw last year, that streak could last the whole season. He just 30- waited till November yeah, yeah. to get going. Of course. 37 <laughs> goals in only 72 games. He probably would have had over 40 if he was healthy the whole year. So yeah, then, yeah. He had 10 shots on goal. Six of them were high-danger chances. Uh, excuse me, six were scoring chances. And if you looked at the first seven games of the year, he had no goals. I think he had one high-danger chance on goal. Wow. So it goes to show that he's more involved now. He's confident. He's getting to those areas. He's cutting to the slot more. He's skating. You're seeing that Brock Nelson you saw last year. Now, again, goal streak snaps against Detroit. No one scored, obviously. But this is a guy that when he gets hot, he goes on a rampage. And we'll see this year if he can do it for a full 82. They're going to need him. They're going to need him to do it. And you make a very good case for Brock for Hero of the Week. So good job by you, Stefan. Appreciate, Appreciate it. And now we move on to me, and I'm staying consistent. This might be the third week in a row now How that I've not? gone with this gentleman. And look, he's a big reason why this team is winning hockey games. He's keeping them in it. Stefan noted on it before, and we've been talking about it on this show. And, and look, he's a guy that this team is going to be relying on all season long. And and look, it's a, it's a great commodity to have, especially when you're still looking to get your, your, your offense going, which the Islanders have. But once again... Ilya Sorokin, my hero of the week, 931 save percentage through the week, 1.87 goals against average. Those are Vezina caliber numbers here. Hopefully he keeps that up. He stopped 13 of 15 high danger chances, a total of 54 saves on 58 shots. The one little blemish, (laughs) 
Came in real quick to spell Varlamov while he was in concussion protocol. Ends up giving up the goal in the breakaway. We give him a little bit of a break on that. And certainly not the reason why they lost. Yeah, yeah, of course. So there you have it, folks. Brock Nelson, Ilya Sorokin, your heroes of the week. Remember, stop on in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location. Mention Hockey Night New York and get half off the Selly. And I, right after- I have an honorary, honorary oh, yeah, yeah, uh, hero yeah, of the week. Sure, just want to sure. talk about Pajot. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he okay. does. So he's got, he got the empty net goal, which took the monkey off his back a little bit. One goal, five assists on the year. Mm-hmm. He's got a 56.8 face-up percentage. But I wanted, I wanted to dive in because I spoke to Palmieri and Parise about you know their line, the 3P line, whatever you want to call it. Sure. And Triple P. Every time I said, you know, what's clicking, they all pointed to Pajot and what he does. Defensive zone face-up percentage, 53.85%. PK, 54.35% when he takes the face-offs. And on the power play, 524 Those are big numbers. They got, again, the biggest thing is defensive zone face-offs. Yeah. You win those, you transition. It's critical. Oh, yeah. And again, I mean, on the PK... It usually lops the, off like 15, 20 seconds of the yeah. power play if you get it deep. So this guy in all areas of the game, in, you know, in the in the offensive zone, defensive zone, power play, penalty kill, he's winning face-offs. And that, that changes everything because if you have a guy not winning face-offs on the PK... That's extra offensive zone time for those power plays. That's a reason why the penalty kill has been so successful because they win it back, clear it down the ice. So I think, you know, Pajot deserves an honorary mention there. Stefan, I like it. Good stuff. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Questions brewing. Islanders fans, Sunday night is hockey night in New York. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, tune in to hockey night in New York. Catch us live from Floored Media in Rockville Center, Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, as we cover all things Islanders at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. All episodes are also available on YouTube and all your favorite podcast providers. And for all you social butterflies, you can follow at hockey night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all the latest updates. Hockey night in New York. The best night of the week for any Islanders fan. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. So, Edzo. How we doing? Yeah, how we doing, bud? How you been? We're back. It's been a little while. Yeah, man. We are back. All right. So, buddy, hit us, man. What kind of questions you got for us tonight? Well, there's a little discussion. uh, Is that right? About team speed. Before even... Stream really got oh going boy. here. Um, okay. So Andre uh, was saying how the Islanders have a big problem against speedy teams. Case in point, Devils in Detroit. Sure. To which, regarding speed, do they actually have and or use a skating coach to actively improve their skating? So during training camp and development camp, they have a speed coach come in. I forgot her name, but she does a great job. She's worked with Lamarillo before. They definitely work on it. They have a skills coach as well that works on in transition, making moves. So, and also this team, this team has speed, but they don't have, you know, they have one Barzal. They have one Bavillier. <laughs> sure. You look at Detroit, again, being young does help. A lot of the guys, not the Islanders are significantly old when people look at them. They have a lot of young guys, but for the most part, their players are older. 30s. So if they were fast in their heyday, maybe they're not as fast now, but you look at teams like, I mean, they got, these guys are fresh into the NHL, flying around. Yeah, yeah. The biggest thing with that is we, we talked to the players and we said, you know, how do you limit speed? Biggest thing they said is forechecking. And when you think about it, it's like, all right, that's a little counterproductive. You're going to forecheck hard, waste your energy. But the thing is, is if you could pin them in their own zone, they can't transition with speed. When they break out of the zone, they're going to have to dump in chains and maybe they'll win the puck battle because of their speed. But the more you forecheck, you see the fourth line do this, the third line do this. Even Wallstrom is doing this a lot now. 
it limits teams' abilities to break out. And that's the biggest thing. Speed in transition, not just regular speed. Right, right. Not literally how how many miles per hour can this guy skate down the ice. It's this more aggressive style now that the Islanders are playing that are literally slowing other teams yeah. down. And I think, look, hats off to Lane Lambert. Again, it's still early. We'll see how the rest of the season pans out. But so far, his system's looking pretty damn good because we saw how much speed was killing them last season. And now it seems like they're able to counter that a little bit. Obviously, some blips, like 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 mentioned, New Jersey and, and Detroit. But you talk about the other games that they've played, that they've won, that they've looked good, they've kept pace. And even if you know you have a couple of guys on the wrong side of 30, if you're playing a system that can limit the other team's speed, then it kind of just levels the playing field. And it doesn't necessarily matter if... Josh Bailey or Brock Nelson can't hit, you know, 26 miles an hour or whatever the average speed is for an NHL hockey player. So I, it's a great point by you, and I think I think that's huge that they've, they've been able to show that they can hang with these teams so and, far. And what I will add there of Detroit, the Devils, is the fact that the Islanders could limit speed when they play their system, right. their game. Mm-hmm. If you allow the other teams to get to their game first, Detroit, Jersey, you're not forechecking because you're already in your own zone. Right. So that's why it's so important for them to get off to strong starts, especially against those fast teams, because once those teams are playing their speedy game, the Islanders can't do what they need to do to limit that. That's pretty much it. There you go. So, Edzo, next Next question. Next up is Coach Lambert. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's Lambert, but Lambert, I just... I something mean, about it. No, something no. about saying Lambert. It's it's a fun name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after 12 games, what do we think of Lou's big offseason signing? Romanov has been busting his butt, and I'm a fan. I'm going to start off by saying it's still a work in progress, but I like what I'm seeing, and I think he's getting better by the game. I think there's still a little raw element to his game, and I think that there's still a feeling out period with his partner Noah Dobson. But all in all, I think that he's going to live up to the billing. I love his... Very, you know, highly touted physical game that we were all hearing about when he came over, and I think he's lived up to that billing so far. So I'm excited about that. I think they can end up being a very good pairing as they continue to grow together. Now, I know it's kind of a, a laugh for his, you know, saying, oh, the big signing and whatnot. It's the only move that they made, but I think it's 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 paying dividends already. The fact that he's so young because he has more speed, and he's able to move the puck a little better from the from the back end outwards, and I think he's going to improve in that regard. So from my point of view, it's a good move. Is it is it like earth-shattering, team-changing, maybe not, but I think this is a guy that's going to definitely help this team hopefully get back into the playoffs, Stefan. Yeah, he might look 30. He's 22. Right. right? So this this kid's been in the league for, I think, three years, and also he's coming from a Montreal Canadiens team where they were horrendous last year. There was no system. It was just it was like the old Islanders under Doug Wade. Just go have fun. And the big word was when when San Louis took over, he started looking a lot better. So San Louis, so when he, when he first started, especially over in Russia, I was talking, I forgot who I was talking to, they were developing defensive zone defensemen. That was it. No transition. Just you focus on your play in your own zone. Yeah. It goes to Montreal. You're doing a little more. They want you to be... I mean, again, this was a bad defensive... A bad team in general last year. St. Louis comes, adds structure. Romanov got more minutes you know, on the penalty kill. Yeah, yeah. He got more of a bigger role, mm-hmm. which I think helps him with the Islanders. But again, sure. it's a brand new system where he has to learn again. The biggest thing is he's an aggressive kid. The problem is Dobson so used to... I mean, since Dobson broke into the league, he started with Boychuk, then Andy Green. Who was a hitter then, in his own right, Johnny Boychuk. So it's nice to have that element again. But they're all... Def- and Chara, defensive defense. Right, right. Dobson can jump in on the play knowing they're back. Well, the problem right. is Romanov's not back. And that's what he's, you're seeing yeah, early. He's right. stepping at the blue line, which is great. You want aggressiveness. Sure. But he was getting beat. Mm-hmm. And when he was getting beat, Dobson was in the neutral zone. 
and you lean into odd man rushes against, and we saw goals happen, we saw those pairings not work. Mm. The biggest thing for Romanov is just reading Dobson. And again, mm. they have to work on chemistry. We saw last year. How long did it take Chara and Dobson? They eventually did click. Yeah. But it took them a while. Right. And I think it's much more about Romanov learning Dobson. But again, Dobson has to learn, okay, if I see Romanov step, I can't. And Dobson has the speed to get back that maybe other defensemen wouldn't have in that mm. situation. But you talk about the physicality. I didn't realize how much of a shot block he was either. He eats Yeah, he's pucks. stepping in front of everything. He eats pucks. Yeah. And again, we'll see how that holds up over a season. You don't want sure. someone getting hurt. But he blocks everything he can. He stands up for his gold. He stands up for everybody. He's a physical presence in front. Again, he just has a focus on his puck um, decisions because he's throwing sure. pucks maybe to the, to the slot or mm-hmm. trying to ring the puck around the board. It's not often where he does that and it gets picked off at the point or sure. it's to no one. Right. Again, just understanding this that's systematic where he thinks that if there's a forward on the boards, on the end walls, no one's there. Right. The more he plays, the better he will be. But that this pairing could be a pairing for ten plus years and eventually be, you know, a top pairing for this team. Pelican and Pulak obviously are here. But you you said that the signing you know, nothing big. If he plays the way that they believe he can play in the system, mm. your top four defense, defensive pairing or yeah. two defensive pairings. Makes you an elite def- defensive team, which it weren't last yeah, year. Yeah, it just—it wasn't the sexy signing that everybody was looking for. But this team is not sexy with anything they do. So it's a fair point. Matt Barzell is a little sexy, but outside of that, I get your point. All right, Eddie, what do you got? We got a couple from Andre Thirteen here. <laughs> Andre Three Thousand. It might as well be. <laughs> hey, it really yeah. might as well be. Hey, uh, not really in a question phrasing, but uh, Ishikov reminds me of Gaudreau. Oh, I said that earlier. Oh, yeah. Oh. You did. Stefan agrees. Oh, that's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go to the next Maybe one. Maybe not as fast. Uh, yeah. Well, this is the other one. That's also not phrased as a question, but I will read it because it has <laughs> questions brewing before. Okay. All right. Bullduck is better than Salo or Ajo. Not even close. Wow. Why isn't he even under consideration for call-up? Uh, well, first off, until he plays an NHL game, it's very hard to say that he's better than both. It's now, obviously a very personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, he's... Well, okay, one thing is... It turned into a question with the why yeah, isn't he even under consideration. Yeah, he used the why. That's a good word. Yeah. Um, but Bolduck, again, last year he's coming off he's coming off a major injury. The right. last thing you want to do is rush him back. At He got hurt also at development camp, or he was hurt going into development camp. He didn't play much. You didn't see him at all during preseason. I think there is no rush for Bolduck. But what I will say is... The farther Salah falls on the totem pole, I think, again, if he's not if he stays in Bridgeport, let's say, and he's not the best defenseman down there, and Bolduck is, mm-hmm. Bolduck will get a shot. But again, that's your team winning. You want consistency in the lineup. Bolduck comes in, he's going to have rookie mistakes. And again, yeah, this is a team that not you're not rushing. When you're playing bad. for a guy like him and yeah. let him over-ripen a little bit. Yeah. If he's playing great down there and if he turns out to be better than the other guys, great. But is, the, Which is I he think a guy he has they the need right to be, now? But no. If the team was bad so. and they were... You know, we have to do something to stop the losing. And Bulldog's playing well. <laughs> yeah. You call him up. But right now, the same thing. The reason Salo isn't playing is because the Islanders are winning. If right. Aho, if they were losing and Aho was bad and making mistakes, mm-hmm. at that point, why not just get Salo experience? Why not just sure. get Bulldog? Why not just call up Ratu and do four? Sure. They don't have to do that. There's no rush for Bulldog. Again, he was hurt all of last year. Let him play consistent minutes. He's playing quite well. The last thing you want to do is rush a pro. Josh Bailey's the biggest example. He gets called up too early. And then he gets a bad rep for not being good. <laughs> for his entire career. For his entire career, where you look back <laughs> at, okay, maybe he didn't take advantage, but he wasn't ready. Right. And when you rush a prospect, it has lingering effects. It has, imp- yes, so, absolutely. Especially for a team that's defensive-oriented, where your defense, again, Dobson and Romanov, 22-year-old mm. pair, be around for a while. Salo, if he's still here, be around for a while. Right. There's no point in hurting, hindering someone's development by rushing them when a team's winning. Right. Eddie, let's do like one or two more, man. What do you got? Well, you know, uh, we haven't got any new ones. That oh. seems to be it. However, 
Okay. You there's, got there, you got something there, for us, there, buddy? There's something in here. Okay, uh, where you Coach got? Coach Lambert. Yet again. <laughs> okay. New Christian is so optimistic. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stefan's got a little more of a positive attitude, I think, than Christian Arnold did. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll keep him around for a couple more. We'll see. But uh who who's Christian Arnold again? Yeah, who? C A, that guy. <laughs> C A, yes. His Twitter has an O one because there's too many of them, right? Wow. So, oh, yeah, man. you have to differentiate. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, hey, look, Christian's doing a great he's job over at AM New York. Stuff, he's yeah. he's literally covering every New York team under the sun. Why be negative when you can be optimistic? And again, ask Christian winning, Arnold so. that because he's just a miserable when bastard. he texts me i get depressed <laughs> i'm kidding he doesn't text oh me. man no it's actually the mood's been much better here <laughs> since he hasn't been around <laughs> no christian we love you hopefully you'll be back soon you're we know you're busy covering the jets the yankees the the giants the, the nets i mean literally the everybody bills. but the island <laughs> the i don't know if he's covering the bills but <laughs> he's he, not he might as well trip, he might as way. well but uh yeah we'll get him back in here soon one, one day eventually. He's, Not today, he, but one day. He's still on the phone lines. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll get him back in. That'll do it for questions, Bruin. Thanks a lot for getting your questions in, hanging out with us live here. So, Ed, you can cue the outro music. We're going to get out of here, man. All right, folks. I want to thank you all big time for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY Live. And, of course, your favorite podcast providers. Huge thanks to Chris Botta, co-host of Hockey Night in New York, flipping over to the other side, getting on the phone, giving us some good stuff there. And, of course, a big thanks to this clown over here, Stefan Rosa, for jumping. Great stuff tonight, buddy. Really appreciate you helping us out. Awesome stuff. And, of course, a thanks to you guys and our absolute wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, with their flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike. Remember, you can stop in, mention Hockey Night New York, and get half off the celly all week long. Take, take Donnie's money away. Get those half-price heroes all week. Do it up. Do it up. Huge thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company located at 63A, 2nd Street in Mineola. Again, doing great stuff over there. The delicious stable shaker over here. And, of course, the Top Gun IPA. All great stuff. Check them out at lostfarmerbrewing.com. Stefan, where can we find you on the socials? Yep, at Stefan underscore Rosner, S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R, and my work, NYIHockeyNow.com. Keep up the great work over there. You can follow myself, at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow Christian Arnold if you want, at C underscore zero, at C underscore Arnold zero one. You can follow Chris Botta at Chris Botta NHL. You can follow Hockey Night New York at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We're all over the damn place. Check us out. For Stefan Rosner, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. And hey, Edzo, thanks to you back there, buddy. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks a lot. And Jay, we know you've been hanging out too, man. Thanks a lot. You've been doing a great job. (laughs) There he is. All right, folks. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We will see you all next time.